0: Hey folks, before we get into the podcast, we're gonna start off with a special announcement this week. All right, the moment we've all been waiting for the winners of the great Canadian dealer showdown. Bump bump bum. So, super exciting to announce the first half winners for this year. So we're gonna start with the standard financing winner. Can I get a roll call? Or a drum roll, I mean. <laughs> Amy Craig is the winner, the $3,000 winner for the standard financing. Well done, Amy, thank you so much for all your support. killing it, keep killing it, keep submitting. and we got some exciting news coming up for the second half of 2022. Well done, Amy. All right. The next is for the random winner for the entire first half 2022.) Nish's mic just fell. (laughs) Congratulations, Jennifer Free, $3,000 winner. Your check is en route. Congrats, Jennifer. Well done. You killed it this year.
1: Is Jennifer aware of my standard 10% (laughs) fee? Your cut? My cut? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Referred to as a cut, but she owes me.
0: Jennifer. (laughs) Well done, Jennifer. I'll send you
1: an email. Congratulations. Yep.
0: Okay. Now the moment we've all been waiting for. The grand prize winner from the first half, Great Canadian Dealer Showdown 2022. (laughs) Jeff Whelan! What's up, Jeff? 15K! (laughs) congratulations jeff well done jeff 15 smackers dude on its way actually you probably have it by now so we're all kind of jeff's flying us out to alberta to have
1: a night out (laughs) yeah yeah i am i only fly first cast
0: (laughs) congrats jeff great great job keep submitting that volume we're super happy with the first half results Everybody, thank you so much for all of your support for the 2022 Great Canadian Dealer Showdown. If you don't know about it, ask your BDM. We got some exciting news coming up for second half. So thank you very much.
1: More importantly, if you don't know about it, let me know who your BDM is so I can talk to them and find out why you don't (laughs) know about it. I was just
2: going to say that. Please let us (laughs) know who who the BDM is.
0: Thanks, everybody. Hey folks, welcome to Close the Deal, a podcast designed for you, our valued dealers. I'm Jake Watson, your moderator. And with me, I've got Rich and Nish, fellas.
1: Hi folks, I am Richard Texera. I'm the Senior Vice President of Sales for the organization.
0: Hey guys, uh, Nish here, EVP Revenue. And I am SVP of Marketing, lucky to moderate this podcast. Today, we're gonna talk about keeping your team motivated and how to do that with some tips and tricks. On our last episode, we spoke about how you can set up new salespeople for success, and we want to kind of keep that conversation going and talk about motivating your team and and how to do that. This is episode number seven, if I'm not mistaken. We've had six podcasts before this. If you haven't listened to them, I encourage you to do that. At the end of the day, we're here to entertain, but also to provide some value, and we hope that uh, you find some value in the tips and tricks we're offering each and every episode. So let's kick it off. What are your top three tips you'd give leaders in management when it comes to motivating sales representatives and keeping them happy i, I like that you know keeping sales happy which they're never happy <laughs> let be honest it starts
1: with making me happy yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> um yeah listen i you know i and i and all three of us were talking about this a little before so i'll, I'll kind of kick us off i i think i've i've said this on past podcasts so again uh, if you haven't listened to any of the past ones, stop this. Go back, <laughs> listen to them, and then catch up. Mm-hmm. Um, but I'm going to go uh, as as our as our leader here will say. I'm going to do a little macro, and then really we'll dive into the micro of these things. It boils down to three things in terms of keeping salespeople happy, which is understanding what drives people in of themselves. Um, you know, I've often said that. You know, the sales is actually the easy part in what we do day in, day out, night. And there's probably a lot of salespeople out there who are going to disagree with me and sales leaders on that. But that's my humble opinion. Um, what is difficult is managing the mindsets and the behaviors that come from a sales force. And so you want to get in front of that in terms of identifying, because really keeping salespeople happy is keeping them doing the behaviors that it promote and endorse what you want them to do at the end of the day. I think it's also the motivation part, right? It's Absolutely. keeping them motivated to do the same
2: thing every single day. Right. And once they've figured out the formula, is like, yes, now just replicate. It. Don't mess with the mojo. Just keep going.
1: Right. Exactly. And so, how do you replicate it? And for me, it comes down to three things here, and the three motivators are in no particular order. Uh, and this might be a surprise to some people. Okay. Um, they want to make money. Uh, as an money, old money, money, yeah. and as money. An, as an old mentor of mine, Bob Schmieder once said to me, uh, "We're not doing this for the charitable contribution right, of it." But- and and I and I say that with all due respect, folks. Listen, like it's, but we are in a high risk, high reward role. Yeah. Call it what it is. At mm-hmm. the end of the day, there is a number over my head, whether I like it or not, mm-hmm. um, and that is high risk. But the reward should then be equal to that. So you. To keep them happy, the first thing you gotta do is you gotta look at what is your compensation model. You're gonna have individuals who are, you know, platitudes, great. They just wanna make cash. And that is fine. Just we're on the same page. I, I'm not gonna quote Gordon Gecko here. The goal isn't a taco, money's like none of that. It is just simply to say that there are individuals out there in the world who are motivi- motivated by money. And that is fine. Yeah. End of story. Um, the second thing is growth. People like to grow uh not every sales rep is a contrary to the kind of you know uh, myth out there not every sales rep is a lone wolf uh sales rep and we talked about this on the last podcast about training and one of the things we talked about is leadership and this is what actually kind of drove me uh it wasn't the money aspect of it because i was not making a lot of money in mm-hmm. early on in my sales career was that i wanted to grow and i wanted to become a team leader uh, or whatever those layers are within your organization. And a lot of your sales reps are driven by growth. And again, your best leaders are not, and let me be clear on this, are not going to be your best performing sales reps. In fact, I've often it's found It's probably the like, opposite. It's the opposite. Yeah, it's exactly. the opposite. In most cases, you know, yes. there's anomalies. Gretzky was not that good of a coach. Bobby Orr was right. not that good of a yeah. coach. There's but a they're reason they great why, players. They're great players, right? right? And, right. and you look back, it's very rare than a- all-star caliber player actually becomes a head coach. Mm-hmm. Like John Elway runs a team he ain't running. he's not in there on the sidelines. Mm-hmm. So growth, what is that growth plan? And again, contrary to belief, sales reps, a portion of them want to grow. And that's what motivates them. They want to run teams themselves. They want to be put into a strategic window.
2: So I'm going to go back a little bit because you said a few things there. I think the way I see it, you know, from a salesperson perspective is I think there's two types in my opinion. One is just happy to do sales for the rest of their lives because that's what they like to do. Like Rich, we have people on our team that have been doing sales for 25 years. Still, mm-hmm. Right. Just that's what they do. They don't wanna, they don't want leadership. They love doing, you They're know, good dealing with it. the dealers, they and love it, doing the day-to-day and making their money. Yeah. That's it. And they they perform, right? Every year, yep. year in, year out, they hit their targets. So I think that's one bucket. And I think a lot of salespeople fall into that bucket. And then there's that. I'll call it the, the 20%, maybe 25% that want to look at their career, get into management, take a leadership role, mm-hmm. and see what else they can do. Money is a motivation, but I think they're more geared towards, I want to see where I can take my career, right? And the money will come. Yep. So I think those are the two buckets that, that I think you were kind of alluding to, um, which is important for management to know in terms of preparing for those buckets when they're running a sales team. Uh, because having one or the other is
1: not going to keep everybody happy, Yep. right? Yep. absolutely. And, and you know, it's interesting, when you actually think about it, those are your two, those are pretty much your divides, right? Because some might say, well, what if I, I like to make money, I still want to be in leadership. Yeah, it doesn't work like that. It doesn't. <laughs> I, I Like, yeah. listen, I have reps who make <laughs> more than me and I'm happy about that. And by the way, if you're a sales leader listening to this and part of you is upset that your sales team is making more money than you, don't mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. You, you have it's this, what makes you happy it's what, right well, yeah but not only that but like if they're making more money know that they're in the trenches and i'm not saying you're not as well but you know Agreed, we sometimes yeah. there's also ego that comes into this place sometime as leader and making your salesperson happy isn't putting yourself in front of them and feeling that you need to be making more money in them because i can tell you from a leadership standpoint depending on how your sales structure is you're going to be more fixed and less variable where they're gonna be probably more variable and less fixed. Right. It's a trade-off on it. But do not, by all stre- any stretch of imagination, be frustrated if your team members are making more money than you. That is probably a healthy thing.
0: So then does it become important then to like to leverage money or what you know, leverage the financial incentive to create profitable behavior, you know, that ultimately drives profitable. Behavior? So so for example, right? Like, um, obviously you're pushing for a sale. That's like the obvious piece, but there are other things, right? That can be profitable to a business that you may want the salesperson to be incented on. So, so for example, financing, of course, the elephant yeah. in the room, right? If you're, if you as a, as a manager know that leveraging financing can help drive the bottom line of your company, are you using those incentives to try and drive that behavior?
2: Yeah. So I think the incentive piece is a whole another you know, ball of wax that we should, we should talk about, right. In terms of keeping salespeople happy. And I think, um, Rich is Rich has, you know, great background in terms of setting up these programs. I'm going to let him speak in a minute, but we've done it internally, right. For our sales team is, is have incentive, of rec- or incentive and recognition program where we are providing the incentives that you, you mentioned Jake and, and, Um, it is proving from a revenue standpoint and I'll, you know, be biased because I run revenue. Um, (laughs) it is proving that it, it works. Right. Um, I came from, from my past experience from the bank where, yeah, there were no incentives zero, right. It was just like, here's your target. You have to hit it and that's it. Mm -hmm. Um, and you just went about doing your job, but you know, it got difficult to do it every single day. Mm -hmm. Right. Because what, where am I going with this kind of deal? Right. Um, but Building out a program that we have over the past you know year and a half since we acquired these companies, the sales teams in our organization are seeing the value of it, and we're seeing it because from a revenue standpoint, you know we're hitting numbers, we're doing great things, and we're helping our dealers as well because the other part of the equation is also we have dealer incentive programs, right? But, but I'll stick to the salespeople side. I think it is important to have incentive programs, but structured in a way where it doesn't become wallpaper, right? Right, like. Rich, like you and I tend to change our incentive programs every three months, right? We shake it up and we come up with something new uh, because otherwise it just, hey, it's there and I'm going to hit my target. And I'm going to make that money. No, we kind of play around with it, right? We, there's different targets. Different ways to hit that incentive. And I think that's important. I'll let I'll let Rich add to that.
1: Yeah. And and so the the, the thing that actually ties your, your money-motivated individuals and your say your career-motivated individuals, really what's gonna to speak to them both is what Nish was saying, which is incentive and recognitions. Um and it's almost, I think, not talked about enough. I, I think people underestimate the value and the importance of it. One, it first and foremost, if you have a sales team, the first thing that should inherently happen is your sales team should be competitive. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And incentives and recognition is an inherent way to drive competition. Competition is not a bad thing. It's a great thing. As long as it's done respectfully, the goal is for no one to step on people's throats. It should be a, a part where everyone celebrates in that proverbial competition. It's like, you know, we talk about it's like the you know end of a, a playoff round in, in, in hockey. They will leave it all in the ice. But what do they do at the end of it? They line up and they shake hands. It should be the same concept with your sales professionals. It's a valid effort. It's a battle. It is what it is. But at the end of it, we shake hands and we move on and we celebrate and Hopefully recognize. Hopefully no Oilers fans. fans. Yeah. Yeah. Ouch. They, they show hands. <laughs> they show <laughs> hands. <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> um, or leaf fans. So. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
0: But Danisha's
1: yeah. um, <laughs> yeah. point, you know, the other thing about incentives and behaviors is like, listen, everyone loves and craves recognition. Yeah. Everyone craves um a spotlight on them whether they don't want to inherently be in front or inherently be in front of a spotlight at the end of the day we all do kind of want to be recognized for our efforts and 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 there's so many ways it can be done whether it's Top weekly top tens, uh, monthly top ten or Waterly. monthly awards. Yeah, quarterly, you break it yearly, down whichever way. Doing an awards gala at the end of the year. Um, we just rolled out a president's, president's club, club, yeah, which is which is probably most people have, yeah. are familiar with. Everyone's heard of a quote unquote president's club, um, and initially and they need to be refreshed, but they also need to be used strategically. Right. A lot of people, initially something bang on and sorry, Jake, after last podcast, I, know you <laughs> I know. More. Um, which is they can become wallpaper, right? Cause after a while, this become mundane. And so one, you want to shake up your incentives and recognition, recognition, not so much because recognition is about recognizing mm-hmm. people. You can never really get tired of that. Uh, but incentives you want to, you want to shake up, but not only that you want to use them strategically. And for me, uh, incentives usually come in under the guise of two strategies. One, you anticipate a lull in the business coming up and you want to mitigate against that potential lull. Yeah. So I'm going to tell something everyone everyone's going to know this, the holidays. Right. Depending on what if you're in retail, there's no lull. Right. Uh, But if you're in other industries where people start thinking, you know, what happens come after, proverbially, U.S. Thanksgiving. Everyone starts thinking about holidays, Christmas parties, visions of sugar plums dancing in their head, whatever it is. (laughs) And so people inherently get distracted. You know that there's going to be a lull in your business because people are distracted. Perfect time to drop incentives. Mm -hmm. Is it going to fix everything? No. But what will happen is it will prevent the bottoming out. Of your sales numbers, as a result of everyone being distracted, mm-hmm. very very strategic there. Coming back from the holidays, uh, December January December, is like we, the best time to do it. Absolutely, right? you want to um, get everyone back into action. What's right. the second one? Second one is when you are in a state of stagnation. Now that doesn't necessarily mean a bad thing. So you've you've peaked or you've plateaued. And now you really want to kind of kick that next layer, right? Because listen, some compensations are caps; Some you can only make so much after a certain level. So what you, what you want to do is get your rep out of that comfort zone that they're in. It could be a great comfort zone. It could be a bad comfort zone. To me, every comfort zone is bad. I think,
2: I think that's just a shakeup for the company to take the next step. Because exactly. Because you're just hitting the numbers that you're supposed to. But like, how do you take that next step when it comes to revenue and profits and all of that great stuff? how do you do that without you know, really upsetting um, the, the mojo, I'll call it, right? Mm-hmm. To Rich's point is add an incentive. Yeah, because right? um, that incentive- Where, where oh. they can make that extra cash, but it also gets you that additional revenue. And then that then becomes a norm. And then you, you, know, you keep doing that. It's just, you gotta be creative with the incentives and you gotta change those KPIs for getting those in- incentives.
1: So I'm, I'm gonna pull back your vernacular on that uh, in a sense, because you are right in the sense of how you would look at it or one would look at it, in terms of extra revenue for our reps on this call what it's going to do and i'm going to use this terminology that they probably get it's going to allow you to put your sales reps into what we call everyone knows there's comfort stretch and panic zones <laughs> what you want to do is move your goal with that incentive is to push your reps into a stretch target and as we know after a while that new stretch target becomes your new comfort norm. zone yeah your new norm Right? You never want to have an incentive that puts your rep into a panic zone. So in other words, like, hey, Nish, guess what? Incentive next week, you, we, you get X if you do 150% of target.
2: Yeah, I think, and that's, that's, that's you bring up zone. a great point, right? Yeah. Like, don't build incentives that they're not going to hit. Exactly. Like, it just, it doesn't help anybody mm-hmm. because they'll be demotivated right off the bat. Build incentives that they're stretch and they are going to hit. And maybe, maybe the way, you know, we've done this before where, you know, 100% of the target gets something, mm-hmm. but then if you hit 120 or 125%, that's when you really make that extra juice.
0: So it's funny. I'm, I'm going to p- potentially put me in a really awkward position <laughs> where you're going to where you're going to shoot me down because because I I I always think of using incentives to drive a specific behavior, like to try and change the behavior or or create a behavior that doesn't exist. You know, and and maybe that's the wrong way to think about it. I don't know, but that's always how I've kind of looked at it. Is can't so, so for example, again, like I'm going to use financing as the example, right? And if you as a, as a business owner know that, that your reps offering more financing means you generate more sales and more revenue, then am I going to create, like the way that I would look at it is I'm going to create a very specific incentive that says you're going to get paid extra money or whatever it is for every finance deal that you sell. And knowing that over time, you're going to get more comfortable selling, financing, and, uh, and, and that's going to be cumul- cumulatively positive for the business.
1: I think at, at heart, what you're saying is not um, wrong, for lack of a better term. I think the challenge with incentives- Does that mean, are you saying that I'm right? I am. Well, he, didn't, <laughs> he didn't say you're right. He said you're not you're wrong. You're not I said wrong. you're not wrong. So yeah. If, if by the opposite, that was hard you for you to, to, to say, say, wasn't it? <laughs> uh, 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 but the challenge with incentives is that they become a crutch if not used again properly right so uh in other words eventually because you're right like you know we learned this also anyone's read for economics or whatever it is the basis of those books was that behaviors are driven by incentives incentives are driven by behaviors but the challenge is after a while if you keep incentivizing it i think we know we're going with this Mm -hmm. your team now is going to expect a form of incentive to do the function that really should be at its core um part of the roles and responsibilities anyways mm-hmm. you know we I look agree. at you know the government actually you know and this i'm not to make this a political debate here but you look at how they have rolled out say initiatives what do you do you create an incentive and you get your doppers and you and you get people to kind of fall into that behavior and then it just becomes and then that incentive goes away and then it becomes just mandatory yeah right it's the same concept right so if i wanted someone to do something or move this widget over there i will initially incentivize the behavior but then I'm going to make it known that this incentivize, one, this is the end zone is going to be where the new norm is. Again, mm-hmm. remember, the goal of the incentive is to create a new normal, a new comfort zone that becomes your standard. Mm-hmm. Once that becomes your standard, there's no reason to incentivize that right. because that is your new incentive. Right. So one, you need to make that clear that the incentive is temporary. Short term. Yeah. Short term
2: have an end date always have an end date on incentives and you
1: can renew it if you want That's yeah,
2: right. yeah, yeah. But in, in extend it or do whatever but yeah. but have an
1: end date. And have an end date uh you establish that end date you establish what your goals are when you achieve that end date and then what you have to do is when you drive an incentive you have to explain what just happened to that what happened to that person so the challenge some people have with incentives is they go well my team now expects it all the time yeah. Like no different. If I give my kid ice cream every day after dinner for mm-hmm. no apparent reason, mm-hmm. trying to change and say, hey, if you're nice, I'm going to give you dinner or ice cream that he now expects it every day after. So we put that behavior out there. The incentive drives the behavior to where you want to go guides you down that path. Then you got to pull it and then speak to logic and speak to what they did that let them hit that behavior and that you want them to focus on and continue to promote and drive.
0: So using my, my example as kind of a mechanism here, so if you're a dealer that knows that offering financing drives more sales for your company, you incent that short-term, you explain to the, to the, to the reps that this is a short-term incentive, you're gonna get paid extra money for offering financing and selling through financing, and then when you peel that back, you're saying to the salesperson, hey, uh, no, the incentive no longer exists, but don't forget, you're now selling more volume than you were previously. Correct. It's it's your your conversion ratio has gone up, right? Because now you you you're
2: offering it before you maybe weren't offering it only when the customer asked. For right. Which let's be honest, when a customer asks for financing, they're not getting approved most <laughs> times, right? <laughs> yeah. It's because they, they don't have the money, right? Right. Right. Uh, but you're you're missing out on the customers that are not gonna buy from you because you haven't offered that option, right? So yes, it it. It gets them into the cycle of giving the option of financing every single time. And then when you pull the incentive, it's like, yes, to Rich's point is like, go back and look at what happened, right? Over the past three months, your closing ratio went from 20% to 25%. That 5% has now led to you making X amount more on commissions Mm -hmm. plus the incentive that you made. So yes, the incentive is done. However, you now should be doing this every single month because you are making that much more money. Right, right. And, and well, that it, was your point, right? And to your
1: point, exactly. And then, and then part of the conversation, once you do those numbers, should be, hey, what did you change from a behavior standpoint to the led to that output? Because this did not happen by osmosis. Mm-hmm. You didn't all of a sudden put cash out there and all of a sudden their dealers or customers, or whatever, drove no. more revenue. Right. They were the catalyst to an action. So you got to zoom in on what that was. And like I said before was, so, you know, so if it was niche, issue, you put an incentive, you hit 10% over target. Boom, you get you know incentive why, right? So I talked to Nishko, congratulations, Nish, you did it. Now, what some people would just say, that's it. And that's the problem. They would say, Great job, Nish. Great job, yeah. You hit the incentive. Thanks very much. Go back Bye. to your old ways. Yeah. <laughs> but that like that, like that's no, like, that, that doesn't that, like, help anything. That doesn't help you or them. So now the question is to in that same conversation, I would say, Nish, now what led you to drive and exceed that expectation, actually hit that target? Now Nish might say, well, you put an incentive up. Well, thank you. Mm -hmm. I know that. Mm -hmm. But what did you actually do? But what are the steps you took to to reach that that target for the incentive? So the question would be, Nish, how did you do it? And again, his response, well, you put up an incentive that that helped. No, that's what we did. Mm -hmm. Right. How did that incentive enable for you? And it's a tough conversation, folks, because a lot of people don't get the how, right? Like they'll still put up a lot of what's. Well, here's what I did. There's a difference between how and what. Mm -hmm. So how did you go about doing it? So Nish is going to say, well, you know, I started my day an hour earlier. I actually squeezed in a couple more appointments than I should have. I followed up on metrics. I, you know, worked a half hour later every day. Now you're getting into the house, Mm -hmm. And so now what you want to say is, okay, so how do we now, Nish, do this every week. It. Yeah. How, How do we replicate, replicate it? it? Absolutely. Right? So and that becomes a new be formula. The one thing
2: I do want to also mention is incentive doesn't always have to be cash.
1: A right, it doesn't Like, have to be. there is
2: other things you could do. Um, you know, take them out to a game, a Raptors game, or a Leafs game, or an Oilers game, right? Tickets to game, or... Um, you know, if it's a president's club a trip down south, right. There's so many different things you can do. It doesn't always have to be cash. And I think that's where also to identify what works for your sales team and knowing your sales team is important because you need to know what is going to drive them. And once you
1: figure that out, then you just put it all together. Right. Um, And then it's just managing mindsets. And, you know, even to your point about cash, like if your company has a newsletter Put their names in the newsletter. Hey, congratulations goes to you know Jimmy and Sue and Beth and yeah. Billy Ann for you know recognize them for recognize. Yeah, we tend to save like it's just like we have to exceed. Listen, folks, the fast majority people don't hit targets. Right,
2: just get them to hit target. That's why, like I mentioned yeah. that before, right? Like incentives can be that you hit your target and you get something because just hitting target, if you have the target built in a way that you know there is there's a stretch part to it then them hitting that stretch is big enough for for the company
0: yeah gentlemen I think we've come to the end of our seventh podcast. Really excited about this. This was super fun. Thank you both. Folks, if you enjoyed this podcast or any of the others you've listened to so far, hopefully you've listened to them all. If you have any questions, concerns, feedback whatsoever, please don't hesitate to send me an email, Watson at snapfinancial.com. OEM suppliers, if you're interested in sponsoring, same. Send me an email. You know, we'd we'd love to have you on. We'd love to have you sponsor the podcast. Jay Watson at snapfinancial.com. Also, Dealer Alliance, if you don't know about the All-Star Alliance, uh, get in touch with your BDM or send me an email. Really cool stuff happening with the Dealer Alliance, and the All-Star Alliance. We're generating leads for dealers and we really want you to participate. Also, if you have any questions, if you've got any tips for us on the podcast or you want to talk about some marketing campaigns that you want to do, don't hesitate to get in touch with me. Again, that's Jay Watson at snapfinancial.com. This has been an absolute blast guys. Thank you so much, folks. We look forward to the next one. Awesome. Thank you. Thank you so much. Cheers, everybody.